0: The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Well, let me encourage you to open your Bible up uh, to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, we are in the third week of uh, returning to the book of Genesis uh, in a a series that we're calling Generations of Grace, the life of Isaac and Jacob, which is the second generation patriarchs. Uh, uh, Several years ago, we spent uh, a long time in... Chapters 11-24, through 24, looking at the life of Abraham, we return back to the second and third generation of patriarchs in the life of Isaac and Jacob. As you're going back to Genesis 26, I'll tell you that this chapter, Genesis 26, gives the most detail of any other place in the Bible about the life of Isaac. Really, the second generation patriarch Isaac gets the least amount of attention between the three. There's much more detail about Abraham and Jacob than there is about Isaac, but chapter 26 is where we get essentially all of the information about Isaac himself. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at just the first part of Genesis 26 and the first five verses because uh, here you and I as Christian believers have so much richness that we can take away even from just these few verses about learning uh, who our God is and about how He calls us to trust in Him in the midst of our changing lives and circumstances. So there's wonderful truth here for us today. So let me uh, lead us in prayer. Uh, Pause and bow with me as we pray and ask God's blessing upon the Scriptures. Gracious God, we turn to you now, thankful that uh, we have a copy of your Word in a language that we can read and understand. Uh, We are aware this morning, Lord, that there are people yet in the world that don't have a copy of the Bible in a language that they can understand. And so we pray for the the ministry of Bible translation around the world, but we thank You for the rich heritage of Bible translation that has given to us the Scriptures in our language. And so we pray, Lord, that, that You, by Your Spirit, might take that Word and seal it to our hearts. Teach it to us, both mind and heart, that we might receive and believe and obey that which You teach us. Lord, come now in the power of Your Holy Spirit and speak Your Word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 26, under heading God's promise to Isaac. Hear now the word of God. Now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed My voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. The Word of God abides forever. So let's keep our Bible open in Genesis 26. What we find in Genesis 26 is God's renewing of His promises to the next generation of believers there in the Old Testament uh, where God was faithful to Abraham and issued to him particular covenant promises. What we find in Genesis 26 is Isaac learning that the promises that God made to his father Abraham are promises that he, Abraham's son, needs to learn to trust in as well. Here is the main point of this passage. Let me give it to you up front so that you can consider it and see it throughout and know it at the end. It is this, that the confidence that the Christian believer can have from God's unchanging promises did not come from our circumstances. The confidence for our faith, the confidence of our trust, the confidence of our obedience does not come from looking out around us and evaluating our circumstances and then deciding whether or not God is faithful. The confidence that you and I can have as Christian believers comes from God's trustworthiness of His promises, sometimes even despite the outward circumstances. So the short order of this is is that we learn to trust God by faith and not by sight. Because sometimes what we see makes us doubt what we are called to believe. We want to see that from this text. That lesson comes to us very strongly. It's thrust upon us right away with the words of verse 1. Look again at verse 1 with me. It says, Now there was a famine in the land. And this famine at the beginning of Genesis 26 establishes the context not just for these first five verses, but really this whole chapter. Because the circumstances of a famine lets us know why Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, who's the Philistine king, in the first place. The reason why Isaac was going to Abimelech was probably because he was on his way to Egypt. And so he would have encountered another nation on his way to Egypt. It was entirely possible that he was planning to go to Egypt all the way along because in Egypt he could find relief from the famine, just like Abraham his father did. It was his plan probably to stop and check with Abimelech, the Philistine king, on his way to Egypt, Uh, but we know that along the way, God reveals himself to Isaac. God, in a sense, stops Isaac on His way to Egypt in verses 2-5, through five, revealing Himself to Isaac, revealing His grace and covenant and promises to Isaac. And this is the first time that God speaks to Isaac, as far as we know. And these few verses are so important because the thing that we learn about God's faithfulness to His covenant promises and His promises to Isaac is that Isaac is going to receive from God a promise and a covenant, a pledge, that is not different from the promise that God gave His father Abraham, but is in fact the same promise that God gave Abraham, Isaac's father, He's going to to give to Isaac. The language of God's covenant to Abraham is here renewed to Isaac, Abraham's son. The covenant which God made with Abraham is confirmed to His son Isaac, And we see these details in this passage because God is going to reiterate and say the same covenant blessings and promises that He gave to Abraham now to Isaac along with particular warnings and directions. These details are very important. And so if you can remember back earlier in the book of Genesis, the substance of God's promises to Abraham was that God promised to Abraham that He would give to him land, this particular tract of land that we call the promised land, that it would belong to Abraham. He would give him land and He would give him children. uh, Children upon children as the stars in the heaven and the sand on the seashore. Children. And He would also bless Abraham's family and that Abraham's family would be the conduit of God blessing all nations. So land, seed, or children, and blessing. Land, seed, and blessing. Blessing. Notice each one of those things still here in our text. First of all, God gives Isaac a command that's mixed in a warning there in verse 2. Look again at verse 2. The Lord appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. He says, Don't go down to Egypt, but stay here. It's interesting that just like his father Abraham, he's faced with the issue of famine and considering to abandon the promised land. And where Abraham went all the way down to Egypt, God keeps Isaac from going down because He says, here in this land, here in this promised land, I will provide for you. Another famine has come and God directs Isaac, don't flee from the promised land. Stay here. Even though it looks an abysmal set of circumstances, even though there's famine in this land, stay here. Why? For two reasons first because in verse 3 this is the land of promise verse 3 God says sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you for to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands Isaac these lands of famine these lands of present sorrow and distress and unrest This is the promised land. Don't leave it. Stay here, God says to Isaac. This is a reiteration of the promise he gave to Abraham. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you and give you this land. The second reason why at the end of verse 3, he gives a second reason why he should stay here because he says, I will confirm the oath that I swore to Abraham. I will confirm the promises that I gave to your father and give them again to you. These promises, Isaac, that I'm giving to you, God says, are the same promises that I gave to your father and they are now yours as well. God's covenant with Isaac is not different from God's covenant with Abraham. It's the same covenant of God's gracious mercy. Don't leave this promised land because I will give it to you just as I promised your father, so I am promising to you, stay here. He goes on in verse 4 to reiterate that promise when He says, I will in this land multiply your descendants and give them this land. And He goes on to say that these descendants will be a blessing to the nations. Your descendants will be blessed. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Verse 4, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to you your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It's the exact same promise because it is God's gracious promise of land and offspring and blessing. It's the same covenant. The last detail to see there immediately in the text is this. A very surprising note in verse 5 comes. God says to Isaac... Because, verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God says that the reason why he's going to be faithful to Isaac in the promises of land and seed and blessing is because Abraham was obedient there in verse 5. Again, verse 5, because Abraham obeyed, God says, is the reason why these blessings will be upon Isaac and his descendants. This is a reminder that it is not on the basis of what Isaac has done, but entirely upon the gracious promises of God. So, loved ones, the details of this text are, are very plain. They're very clear. It's very obvious that the promise that he gives to Isaac is the same promise to Abraham. But what should we learn from that? What should we take away from that reality as Christian believers living in our time to understand? Several things. One, one, Obedience. Obedience is the best response to grace. Obedience is the best response to grace. Notice God tells Isaac, your father Abraham obeyed. And because of your father's obedience, you will be blessed. The son will be blessed because of the father's obedience. That doesn't mean that Abraham was perfect. In fact, we know that he wasn't. We can read the details of Abraham's disobedience and sinfulness throughout the narrative, but for all of his fits and starts, the fundamental truth about Abraham was that he was a man of faith. He believed, and by his belief, he obeyed. He was a recipient of grace, and Abraham responded to grace with faith. That's what it means that Abraham obeyed. He responded to grace with faith. And because Abraham responded to grace with faith, Isaac is blessed. Isaac is given the gracious covenant promises and is called to obey and is told, Isaac, just like your father received grace and obeyed through faith, if you, Isaac, receive the promises and obey through faith, then your children will be blessed as well. Do you notice what this is here? What this is is the language of Covenantal blessing, covenantal inheritance among successive generations of parents to children to grandchildren and onward. God says if you respond to grace with faith, you are regarded as obedient and blessed. So, let me ask you, do you want the blessing of God upon your family? Do you want the blessing of God upon your children or perhaps upon your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews, hypothetical future generations of your family on hundreds of years down the line perhaps if the Lord tarries? Do you want the Lord's blessings upon the generations of your family? Then respond to grace with faith and obey the Lord and walk in obedience to Him and watch Him bless your family. That's what He promises. Responding to grace in faith results in blessing. We want that for our children and grandchildren. Again, not that we're perfect, because we know that we're not, but it is the very reality that we acknowledge that we're not in responding to grace through faith, saying, Lord, You are my God, And I am your child that results in that covenantal blessing and the inheritance of blessing for many generations on into the future. So this is what God is reminding Isaac. And Isaac's response to God's grace will be to obey God. And this whole section is set in the context of famine. And Isaac has to learn to trust God to stay in the land of famine because it's the land of promise. Isaac has to learn not to look at the outward set of circumstances and the famine that limits his capacity to live fruitfully in the land and learn to live by faith rather than by sight. In the same way, you and I are called to look to God's unchanging promises rather than the changing circumstances around us in which we are placed. The lesson in this passage is that God shows us in Isaac's obedience in staying in the land a pattern for your Christian life that you are called to live by faith and not by sight. Because if you're going to give Isaac counsel for how best to provide to his family, it's probably going to be Isaac, you should probably leave. Find greener pastures, find fuller pantries but that's the exact opposite of God's Word to Isaac. One commentator of this passage says it this way, the promise given to Isaac was searching to refuse the immediate plenty of Egypt for mostly unseen and distant blessings, demanded the kind of faith that is praised in the book of Hebrews, and proved Isaac to be a true son of Abraham. Isaac has to learn to trust God and His promises rather than look at circumstances and say, yes, Lord, I will stay in the midst of this famine. You tell me not to go to Egypt, so I won't. I'll stay here in the land of famine because in Your divine economy, outside the circumstances that I can discern with my own eyes, this is the land of promise, and so I will stay and trust You, and this is the pattern for us. This is the pattern for all believers, and it is this reality. Look, you and I are in the midst of uh, what Terry Swales has called the autumnal jackpot, right? Do you like the changing seasons? I do. This is my favorite season. Terry Swales has said that the set of circumstances associated with the meteorological patterns around the Midwest are autumn jackpot for where we live right now, Okay changing seasons. The point though there is that for all the things that we love about the changing seasons, we also recognize that this season means that the next season is coming as well, right? We know this. Seasons change. Things change. Times change. Fashions change. They also come back around again, right? You change, Everything changes. And what the Bible says from beginning to end is that in a world where everything is constantly changing all the time, God does not change. Malachi 3.6 says specifically, Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. You and I are changing all the time. The word that we use for that is that you and I are mutable. We are mutable. We change like the seasons. But the Bible says that God is immutable. He does not change. He is changeless. There is no variation or shadow or shifting or change within Him. And we sing that in hymns like this. We blossom and flourish as leaves on a tree. We wither and perish, but not changeth. Thee. That's the hymn, Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise. We sing of God's changelessness. And because God does not change, that means that the promises issued by an unchanging God are unchanging promises to every successive generation. The promises He made to Abraham are the same promises He makes to Isaac, He makes to Jacob, are the same promises He makes to you and to your children and grandchildren. The same unchanging God's unchanging promises. And what that means, loved one, very clearly and seal it to your heart. All of the confidence that you need to trust God is found in the assurance that He will never change his word to you he will never change his promises to you he will never change his gracious merciful disposition towards you in Jesus Christ he will not change that is all the reason that you need to trust him God renews his faithful covenant here to Isaac in the midst of these difficult circumstances Where if Isaac was living by sight, he would have concluded, Lord, that couldn't possibly be true and I'm out of here. Instead, he lives by faith to know that God is faithful, that he can trust him, trust leading to obedience. And what I want you to understand, what I want myself to understand, what we all need to understand about this, is that God renews his covenant to every successive generation This passage is all about the transition from one generation to the next and how the next generation learns to inherit for themselves the blessings of the covenant and own them. Because it is not enough for Isaac to know that Abraham called God his God. Isaac must learn for himself to say, my father's God is also my God. And that is the Word to us as well in our generation. For those of us who have faithful generations of parents or grandparents in which we stand in a long line of Christian faithfulness, that is a wonderful witness and testimony. But you know, don't you, that you don't swing into the kingdom on the coattails of your faithful ancestors. You come in through faith in Christ, through your own faith in Christ. It's a wonderful witness to have faithfulness in your generations. But every successive generation must learn to own for themselves the promises of an unchanging, faithful God. And the best place to do that, the best place to be reminded that God continually renews the promises of His covenant to each successive generation is right here at that table. Because it is here at this table that God through His Son Jesus Christ holds out the promises of His covenant grace to say full forgiveness and mercy is yours if you come. If you come in faith and if you come in trust, if you come to find refuge and safety and shelter and provision in Jesus Christ not looking anywhere else, then you will be assured with the pardoning mercy of the fullness of the forgiveness of your sins. This table reminds us of covenant renewal where God pledges His faithfulness and says, you can trust Me. And that trust leads to obedience. The obedience of coming and being renewed in Christian obedience to say, I will live for the One who has died for me. Living by faith, even in the midst of circumstances that cause me doubt and fear, as I look around and come to evaluations in this changing world, I am filled with reasons perhaps not to trust in God, but I will live by faith looking to Christ who renews His covenant to me and my children and grandchildren and say, He is our God. And we are His people. Loved ones, Christ invites you as He invited Isaac to trust in Him that all the generations of your family might be blessed. May that be true for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and Spirit which testifies to our hearts that Your Word is true and calls for our obedience that we might receive grace and respond in faith saying, Yes, Lord, we will trust you. So, Lord, may you set your blessing upon this family of faith and this generation that many successive generations might also likewise come to know that Christ is Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit Etchington. EPC.org. May God bless and keep you.